So this is a special week in the podcast. Um, we're not going to spoil what's coming, but there is a big, uh, it's a big surprise and it's a, it a surprise to us um, coming up. And what it's meant was we had a podcast we have just recorded um, and the, all the boys, you know, your lovable, wholesome, stiff boys, uh, we went and had a discussion. We answered a lot of questions, uh, a couple of questions that were, were sent in, uh, which we did get to. Salsa Boys question and Dr. Gary uh, Mariner, we, we did answer those questions. However, however, if this that episode was very Tamashi-focused. We have since learned that we may be doing, we have an episode coming up that we think should be dedicated to discussing New Japan Tamashi. That will be next week's episode. So we want to push that stuff to uh, to that episode to explore those ideas and sort of go a bit deeper into it next week uh, because we might have somebody to come and talk to us about this um it's a stunning turn of events really but in any case dave and i after this discussion after the the podcast we sort of recorded with red who had returned and was there on this podcast dave and i then went on a tangent and during that tangent we uncovered what we think is a complimentary podcast that will go as part of uh, the WeWork Stiff podcasting offerings. It's a tr- this is essentially what we did, and when we sort of listened to it back, we we realized this might actually be a show, like its own thing. And what it might allow us to do is to have a way to separate out the news and current events and reading of what's happening and sort of the draft and all these kind of cool in the moment sort of reacting to what's happening in the news uh, and have that as as our we work stiff show we do every week and and still talk about character and story we we don't know any other way but there's a opportunity to go on those sort of deep dive big exploration ideas and we think we've uncovered what that is and how that can work and so some weeks we will believe that a story or a character or a match deserves this kind of treatment and this is uh what we're going to do uh we'll offer what we now call we work stiff double feature and the double feature is going to be dave and i talking about a character or a story or a match and pairing it with a film uh, from anywhere <laughs> you know us anywhere and if you listen to this podcast as we recorded that that dave brought as just an idea to explore in it is the essence of what we thought could be a show so we're interested to see what people's feedback is in regards to this show and it gives us an outlet to be able to explore those ridiculous long-form character analysis thematic analysis stuff and it also we think allows us to offer and provide uh, recommendations for you know obscure film or interesting stuff that might further um, develop an understanding of the character or reveal something on an inside of the character uh, and just sort of grow overall media and sort of artistic media consumption 
um, beyond just just the the wrestling. So it's something that we we kind of naturally move towards any anyway. But we think having its own spot, and some some weeks it's not needed, and some weeks it will be incredibly necessary because there won't be enough to talk about from what's happening over the break in a tour, or it's not a lot of news. Regard the benefit for this is regardless, regardless of how this episode tracks, I'm hopeful that people will give us feedback. I'm I'm really encouraging it on sort of Twitter at WeWorkStiff. Let us know what you think. If it's if it's something, you know, I don't think it's something you're going to get every week, but if it's something that you'd, you'd be happy to see um, as an offering to just uh, add a little bit of depth to the discussion regarding New Japan Pro Wrestling characters um, and stories, that'd be great. But rest assured, we will be back with a regulation WeWorkStiff episode next week. And... It will be a special edition targeting all the discussion around Tamashi and the role and the position of that and, 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 and invariably a discussion regarding New Japan's strong, New Japan's expansion. Also, obviously, preview the, the big Osaka show coming up. Um, so that's all to look forward to. And trust me when I say that there will be four people on this podcast um, and it will be... It's a stunning turn of events for our little show, and I can only express my sincere gratitude to all of those who have listened and who have uh, talked about us and promoted us and uh, said really kind things about the show. Uh, in some cases where I don't know entirely that they were entirely warranted, you know, I think it was people really uh, supporting us and wanting us to to, to do well uh, in spite of ourselves sometimes um, because there's a genuine the recognition of that, you know, what we're trying to do and, and the, and the intent and the, you know, it's a genuine position we're coming from in terms of supporting new Japan because of the way the pro wrestling that it presents aligns of our uh, interests and sensibilities. And so we are going to support it because it seems to support us and, and help us to develop uh, better understandings of how we, uh, relate through character and story. Um, but I do honestly thank everyone who has supported the show because um, this is something that we can all be very happy about, that we've got an opportunity to start talking with people about things um, that we think could be interesting and provide insights. Um, so there'll be questions. Uh, get your questions in regarding New Japan Tamashi, New Japan Expansion, New Japan in Australia, those kind of questions, if you have them, please send them through at WeWorks. I'll put out a, a tweet to uh, reply to. But yeah, it's it's an exciting time for the show. It's meant that this episode's going to be a little late. Apologies. As we've had to figure out how we're going to do it and what we're going to do. But I think it all works out for the best. We've got an opportunity to, to listen to the debut before it was even designed. But now it is episode of the WeWorks Stiff double feature. Um, we've talked for a long time, Dave and I, about how do we separate, you know, we've got the, the tripod of awesomeness that is the the neighborhood wholesome stiff boys and uh, Josh, Red and Dave, the, 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 the three. And when it was only two of us, what, what would we be? We are, in essence, double feature. The show is double feature and you'll get to hear the debut episode of it right now. That is as close to a like i mean that was that was a little bit too uh pre-produced i'm standing i'm sitting here post i'm in the editing suite talking about this uh, uh you get what you get at this point but i sincerely thank you for listening uh 
enjoy if you can. And if you don't, let us know the debut episode of the double feature. Where are we headed, Dave? What are we? Um, I'm cracking a cider for the occasion. Oh, Dickens is out. A Dickens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this came to me kind of off something that we that that you said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about, um, you know, AEW fans uh, saying that that AEW is like, like Scorsese films. Yep. Yeah. And you mentioned to me, you mentioned to me like, oh, you know, my my bag for a Scorsese film is like Color of Money. And the other day I was doing that thing where you're like thinking about a film to watch and I'm like, fucking Color of Money popped up in my head. Oh. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. I haven't seen that film for Holy ages. Holy shit. We're going werewolves of London. I cannot wait. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, all right. I'm going to watch Color of Money. So... Uh, in the process of watching that, I remember um, it was kind of it was quite cool because you know I hadn't seen that film for a long time, mm. and you know, stylistically it's super interesting, and I really enjoy that they kind of the, the two main characters right. Mm. And Paul Newman, I fucking love Paul Newman. As a as a consequence, you know, I was telling you a while back, I've been kind of going down a bit of a Western thing as well. Yeah. Like I ended up watching last night. I was watching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid yeah. and um, underrated uh, the verdict, the the Paul Newman court drama, Boston one, the verdict. Oh, okay. I don't think I've seen oh, it. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, and so really liking Paul Newman and. Um, enjoying the 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 kind of interplay between him and Tom Cruise and that character, right? Yeah. And it made me sort of look at the like, and we talked about tropes in wrestling, tropes in film, and the crossovers and all that sort of thing. And while I was watching it, I was like, I remember this film, and I remember there being this that this is a sequel. Mm-hmm. And it's a sequel to The Hustler. And there's like 25 years between them. I think The Hustler's like 61 or something. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so going further down the Paul Newman path that I went on. This is awesome, Dave. (laughs) I went back and I watched The Hustler. And I I think I saw The Hustler as a kid, right? I'm pretty sure I did because I do remember the scene where he's – it's one of the first scenes when he goes into the pool hall and – Oh, maybe it's sort of 20 minutes in. Anyway, he, he wants to have a match against this the this guy, like um, Minnesota Fats um, is the guy's name, the character's name. And he is played by... Uh, Jackie Gleason. Yeah, Jackie Gleason. And the interesting thing about that, too, because I, I kind of went down like a bit of a rabbit hole with these two films when I was thinking about them. And Jackie Gleason was like... They had a they had like a famous pool player doing filling shots for them for yeah. the camera for camera angles. Jackie Gleason, they didn't have to do. He did all his own. He did all his own pool stunts. Ironically, to be repeated by when Tom Cruise would do it in Color of Money. Yeah, yeah, interesting, right? Hmm. Uh, 
anyway, so the cool thing I was like when I was watching the the I was I was looking at the two relationships. Well, there's kind of like three or four relationships, but I liked this competitiveness between um, Tom Cruise and and Paul Newman, and I liked the competitive the competitiveness between Paul Newman and Minnesota Fats, and I found this really great website because we we're talking about tropes. Yep, and it's it's basically just called TV tropes, and you type in a, yeah. a movie. It's got a million of stuff, yeah. Yeah, millions yeah. of different stuff. And funnily enough, for The Hustler, um, one of the tropes in there is the ace. Now, see if, mm-hmm. see if you can recognize this. The ace is someone who is ridiculously good at what they do, whatever that happens to be, and everyone knows it. People look up to them, envy them, and are in awe of them. They have a reputation for doing the impossible and may be shrouded in myth as people are unable to separate their real accomplishments from unfounded rumors. <laughs> in a work revolving around a specific activity, any kind of serious business, the ace will be the best at it. Other characters may refer to the ace as the best of the best at his activity. In works lacking that sort of focus, they'll probably be extremely talented at everything. Right, so that made you know that made yeah. me think clearly of Okada, right? Mm. And so that's how Paul Newman sees this character, and he knows he wants to beat the he wants to beat the ace, right? Yeah. So within that, there is also if I look at the color of money in this trope thing, mm-hmm. it looks at the broken ace. Tell me if this sounds familiar. And uh, maybe maybe two guys that we talked about last week. Uh, inside, he's an ugly, writhing mass of self-hatred, parental issues, past tragedy, and whatever other unpleasantries that <laughs> were brought upon him. <laughs> Expect him to have at least one bizarre trait or ability that should not be overlooked, as well as an unhealthy attitude about love, life, and humanity in general. He most likely doesn't have anyone that loves or respects him for what he really is. This may be justified. (laughs) Uh, Also, he may just be a perfectionist, crumbling under his own standards. The Mm. chief difference between the broken ace, uh, this guy has the same setup, but is more talented and wants to be the best, loved by all and accepted. The debilitating personal issues which he's hiding are only getting worse because of being repressed and the stress of his efforts to excel. And these sorts of characters are prime uh, jerk-ass wooby material. That's like a whole other... Well, they're designed almost to turn. My point being that I'm just like kind of looking at character tropes and the the colour of money, they all sort of stood out for me. Well, it's so similar, Dave. The actual... The the dynamic of pull as a... It's like combat at 10 feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one-on-one is so much about the the parallels can fit to pro wrestling well this is great scene right so this this uh this battle between um between fast eddie and and minnesota fats and like you know Fats starts the table and he clears the table for a while and and fast eddie's like yeah you're really good but in the beginning before he has a match he's like i'm gonna win ten thousand dollars tonight and his mentor is like what are you talking about and he's like i'm i'm gonna beat him tonight and he then and he gets on the table and he plays and he ends up up 
18 grand and his mentor is saying it's time to stop it's time to stop and he wants to break the ace he's like i won't stop until fats says it's the game's over that's how i know i've won but he drives himself to exhaustion and fats ends up winning all the money he ends up winning a lot of the money back and then there's this scene where uh, Paul Newman's character is kind of like sitting on a chair and he's sort of drunk and he's kind of like trying to gather himself and Fats is sort of in the bathroom to the side. You can see him and he's doing his hair and he's tight. He comes out and he's all like, looks great. And he's like, now it's time to play pool. This idea of like character under pressure and that he has character and it's a theme that sort of follows through into the color of money like character to be the ace you've got to have character and it takes you know some tragedy for paul newman's character to find his character and and be able to sort of topple that that mountain that is fats at the end Mm. and uh, along with some other character sort of stuff that's going on that's really interesting um also I mean, you know, we've kind of gone off the wrestling thing a little bit here, but, you know, kind of like that, that was like one of the few occasions where one actor had been nominated for uh, yeah. Oscar twice and he ended up winning it on the second try. Yep. Um, but it kind of all brought me to um, thinking about films and wrestling specifically and one thing sort of has stood out to me and it seems to be like a really recurring theme in Hollywood at the moment but this idea and you know the the color of money as far as I can tell and looking a little bit into it it's like the first of like the legacy sequels So you come back to this same, one of the same characters many, many years later and you almost, you you retell the story, but the character is in a different position to where he was. Yeah, not unlike Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, exactly. Not unlike that. Uh, And when done well, they're amazing, right? There's a a familiarity to them uh, and you don't have to have watched The Hustler to enjoy The Colour of Money. I do think it helps knowing The Hustler exists, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, Even if you haven't like, seen it, but knowing that it exists, for sure. that makes sense. And I would recommend going to see it. I mean, some people can't do black and white black films. And white, but... I rarely can, but Paul Newman's great. A bit like following a great wrestler, following wherever they go. He's awesome, regardless of yeah. whether he's in colour or not. What I liked about Paul Newman's character, in this, and it's going to tie into a lot of the discussions we had last week and stuff. Well, I mean, Hangman and Paul Newman's not a bad little thing, but like the idea yeah. of vulnerability as strength yeah. Paul Newman was one of the best at being vulnerable, but strong. It's a, people would see vulnerability as a weakness. I remember, what was I listening to? And I was talking about this as a character trope. I was talking about Halloween, the original Halloween, yeah. when John Carpenter gave uh, Jamie Lee Curtis the, he wanted, he said, you have to be vulnerable. And she interpreted that as I had to be weak and she refused to do it. She didn't want to be seen as a weak female character or whatever. And he was saying, no, no, no. You have to be open and willing to be hurt and know that that's a possibility and still go through and do the stuff that's vulnerability, but that's strength. And when you look at the hustler, for instance, versus color money, when you see fast Eddie come back 
and you see how he starts and where the position he's in and the the way that, that character is in in essence portrayed is kind of like a like he's not fail but it's like it's not what you think the guy would what what life you had for his career versus what he is now as his character he's kind of like a oh what he's like selling beer and he's like doing his stuff yeah, and he's, yeah like, he's like he's selling alcohol but, yeah. but but then if you go back and you watch the hustler you can understand how yeah. he gets to that yeah exactly it's quite a dark ending to the hustler yeah. like you know the the guy that's sort of managing him ends up sleeping with his partner and she's an alcoholic and she ends up fucking killing herself and, and yeah so and then he basically beats fats to stick it up this other dude's ass and say i do have fucking character you fucked me over yeah i'm the man and now fuck you and, and if and if you're gonna break my if you're gonna break my thumbs or my you better fucking kill me because if I heal, I'm coming back to kill but it, you. But it, but it's mo- what's fascinating about that movement. Why the color money? I, why I said I really love the color money is because when he's back, which is still one of the great endings. In I don't want to spoil yeah. it, but, but just go watch it. But just tremendous it's ending. <laughs> but like he's back for him, and he knows yeah. it. Like it's like this thing of like I've gone through this process of like I, I, I love the character that that dynamic between those characters. Where one for people out there that haven't seen it. And I do, like I said, I, I love that film. But I think you'll never see Tom Cruise play that character ever again. You never saw it before and you won't see it since where he's willingly playing an idiot. But the beauty of that in terms of the dynamic where it's he's where Paul Newman's figuring out this guy's got all the talent in the world, but fucking hell. Like Yeah, oh, there's an ama- there's an amazing there's an amazing interplay between those two characters. And uh what I like about it is uh so he's effectively become tom cruise's father figure mm-hmm. by teaching him how to hustle yep. but he can't hustle because his ego gets in the way he has to and win he, and he has to win and then in the end he learns from his father by hustling his father and you know who has to win and and so and that inspires him so because he's he knows how fucking good this kid is yeah and he, and he like and he wanted to beat him so he bad. He wanted to beat him straight up so bad. Hustle. That that scene where he goes outside after he's oh yeah, and he's like yes, yes. <laughs> it's you just for and I don't know if it's tracks, but for men, like for men, that is such yeah. like competitive. But he's held it because he wants to be seen as composed and cool and calm, and he doesn't want to show emotion. He doesn't want to give it up. And he just calmly goes outside and just fucking goes, releases it. And so, and then in a moment later, he's so fucking gutted. Yes. When he comes in and he gives him the cash, and he's like, "Oh, you should have seen it. I only had to, I only had to dump on like three or four shots. It was great. Oh, I put all the money on me yeah. after I whooped him. The fucking odds were. But it's a, and- what a great story. By winning, he lost because like he finally yeah. got him to where he needed to get to, and he feels terrible about it. Because it's affected him, exactly. You know? Like, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. He, and it became him, and yep. uh, lost sight, it, because he saw himself in it. Like he saw himself in that kid, because in the in in the hustler, he just wants to be the best. Yeah, he just wants to be the beat fats so that he's considered the best. He the, calls him like shits on. He calls him the fat man, and yeah, and then the arrogance the, of youth. There's this there's this mutual respect. He says, like. Oh, you can sure like something like you can sure play and they both acknowledge each other the like i said like you can talk about 
cinema and all that sort of stuff, but it's about characters and human relationships and just these yeah. interesting things that you don't necessarily see explored very often, and especially in the contemporary context. We don't see the like male dynamic relationships that are formed around how each person is like informing them their own development in relation to another man. Like you don't see that in contemporary stuff. You don't see any of those kind of stories that are playing out where there's a game within a game playing here, you know? Yeah. But in pro wrestling, like that's all you actually get. Like that's the dynamic for in male, like new Japan pro wrestling at the, in the men's, you know, you're looking at dynamics between grown men that are having this interplay. And you look at something like even looking at an Osprey and an Okada. This is, this is the whole kind of concept that I kind of it drew from watching these two films mm. and thinking about this. And I sort of mentioned it before. Um, to me, if you look at, I mean, they've been doing it for a while, but if you really look at what's happening and whether it's the 50th year that is, that is prompting this and the, uh, the relationships with other companies, mm. I'm not entirely sure whether, how, how, how much it's on purpose um how much of it is by design i feel like a lot of it is by design but there is this sort of really shone a light on what i feel like is a clear booking strategy at the moment and and i equate it to new japan for me feels like it's writing and presenting its own legacy sequels Tai Chi fucking Kawada, yeah. man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jay and Oiwa mm. at different points, at different points. You know, so so Kawada and uh, and Tai Chi is it a, a, coming to a conclusion, right? That is, yep, yeah. It's coming to the end of. Well, let's hope so. Let's fucking pray so, right? But yeah. but Jay and Oiwa, it's like hustler season, baby. Yeah, he just he just heard him break. <laughs> yeah yeah he just heard him break yeah ren and shibata yep yeah i mean shit that's a that's a that's a remake that's <laughs> just a straight up and and ones you can you can revisit and tell stories off the back of, back of like naito evil and hiromu a new character coming in that shares so many similar traits to the existing character but like a 20-year gap you know like like a show yeah, that I mean, back. Not, I mean, not all of these are like the big kind of 20 year gap, like a, like a legacy sequel. No, but the idea of passing on a character type and using that character type that like using not, not so much like a mentor mentee role, but more an archetype that people understand and have a connection to. And then seeing that person try to, they're always going to be connected if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and the idea of like, I mean, fucking you could look at it from, like Naito and Okada, the ace and the broken ace, or uh, or Okada chasing Tanahashi. There's, well, we said this, did we not say this about Jay being the next Naito? Like he's that was our thinking was like when he turns or whenever he becomes, he's not going to be the ace because that's just not his, just not his character. You can kind of go through at the moment portions of the roster and there's these kind of similar stories playing out um i mean we talked about it a few weeks ago with muda and Okan. i think to me this crystallizes a lot in look at that g1 final okada osprey yeah. where the, the story of like younger brother kind of idea, even the but, block final jay and tama yeah yep 
yeah, where Jay's confronting that. But I mean that these I mean that's fucking nearly borderline the hustler like that. Like yeah, yeah, that and idea, then like, Jay constantly referencing back to he. Uh, I'm the. Uh, this is the cutthroat era. So he's even he's even like talking about fucking he's Paul Newman over in another fucking yeah. federation, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. His Paul Newman is out there. Yeah. I'm the real and rock and roller, the last rock and just, roller. I just started looking at all these different wrestlers and the, in the relationships that they have and the, the stories that could be told or have started to be told, like Mox and Shooter, you could even do something like with Shooter and Red Shoes, fucking Shooter and Jericho, kind of. I, that, that's where I feel like a lot is happening in once I was, yeah, sort of like once that. That idea. That yeah. idea, was, I, I planted the seed in my own head about that idea. I'm like, that seems to be like this re- reoccurring theme at the moment in New Japan and whether Gato is aware of it or not. <laughs> I think he might be a legacy sequel fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big Top Gun Maverick guy. Yeah. The key with that and what makes those legacy sequels work is there's a couple of things. One, it takes time in terms of the time between them to make them because you've you're essentially rebooting the thing for a new generation with a new person, but you're connecting to the past. And that's a really key part. You have to connect to the past. Now it's been done poorly, I think, in a lot of these sort of cash grab versions of, course, of, of this. Course. But what what makes a lot of them work is uh, where the character was in the, the movement, movie, the movement of the character. And, and so when they revisit them, where is, where is the movement of both characters come to? I don't think it's any surprise that Tom Cruise made Top Gun Maverick because he understood what made color money work was yeah. the movement of that character being from one thing to another thing, playing a different role taking on the traits of someone else, but but not surrendering their original traits either. So becoming a different version of that archetype that is informed by the past, but it's a new thing. So when the next person comes through, or importantly, in say Top Gun Mavericks context, a different type, a, they, they take a pivot to the left of a, one of the archetypes and use that character as the main and reframe your thinking a bit. When I, the reason, like I said, the reason I love color of money and i think i the reason i would say it's like my favorite school say because no one talks about it. it's like one it's a bit hipster of me just to sort of bring that up and like, oh, you know, like oh well i like color of money but uh but i'm a big fan of people out there probably already realize i'm a big fan of interpersonal male relationship stories i really find those yeah. to be yeah, me too. really intriguing. captivating it's why i like yeah. pro wrestling um because the interplay between characters and how each can find something in the other to develop their own sense and build a greater connection that's why we're out here talking about trying to connect up and talk to people we just enjoy that kind of development through relation so i think about it and i think like this dynamic of the character being one thing and coming back like it's playing out but not the way that necessarily needs to be relationship structured but more new japan has archetypal roles that are established as part of when they know they're working so they have their ace they have their you know like like their cool like naito being like a chono like they have their cool not going to be the guy but he's kind of the guy everyone likes the guy but he's not ever going to be but he's still going to be seen as like they have these sort of archetypal roles and it feels like when they've been hot for the last decade 
these guys sort of just fix themselves in these roles to the point we just couldn't see them. We couldn't see anyone. Like, how could anyone else be the ace? Like, how could anyone else be Tanahashi? Like, no one could see anyone surpassing Tanahashi. The irony being that it wasn't Okada beating Tanahashi that made Okada the ace. It was Okada being Tanahashi that made Okada the ace. Like, yeah. It was by time that he got to the role where he firmly established himself as, as you said, the trope of he's the best guy. He's got all the thing. He is, he knows he's the best. Everyone knows he's the best. It's accepted that he's the best. Everything about him looks, he just looks special, right? So he got to that point through going against Tana and getting to that stage, right? So it's not so much that the relationship is a switch in the dynamic. It's more, he, he finally ascended to the archetype, like ascended yeah. to the, the role through time. And so the question is, he's only, and he's 35, like fucking hell. Um, like I remember someone was talking about New Japan, they're concerned about the ages. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> like, <Nah. laughs> I, when the best wrestler on the planet's 35 and he's, you know, at, and, and he's taking on Jay who's 30. Like, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we're okay yeah, here right. with yeah. Osprey at 29. Um, yeah. I think they're, I think they're okay. I think they're entering their prime. But when you see that, we talked about it with that Osprey Okada dynamic. It's Osprey and Jay are fighting together at the same similar age to get to the archetypal role and it's almost like what role will you fill and osprey wants to be i think he wants to be the ace like and i don't think jay i don't think jay wants to be jay talks about the error he wants to be the guy who like creates the thing but he's like the guy that understands almost like osprey's ego driven right like that's osprey osprey's young varsity osprey's Tom Cruise, mm. right? Osprey's the five-star man. He's the werewolves of London guy, right? Yeah. Jay, to me, feels like old Fast Eddie. Like he feels like yeah, this yeah. guy that is beaten and broken and has felt what failure really feels like versus what any artifice you get out of winning anything is. He's winning- just so happy to feel that before he was 30, yeah. Yes, he felt that young. But I mean- Fast Eddie did too. He yeah, just yeah. we just didn't see what else happened to him in the in the the twenty five years that he was off selling grog, you know. But it's clear that in him is still that burning desire, right? Yeah. And even if he's great, like Jay's the best, like he's the champion, but no one sees him as the ace, and yeah. that's got to piss him off, right? It's got to annoy the shit out of him because he's like, well, I'm the best, but maybe, just maybe. Jay is actually drive like what drives him is he wants to go outside and cheer and know that he actually did it, that he actually is the best. Yeah. And every time he's doing it, he's, he's, he's getting help and he's sort of like, Oh, maybe I, he's, cause he's, he's learned how to hustle. He's a hustler. He's the hustler, yeah. right? Like that's who he is. And at his core, he thinks that teaching people how to hustle is the right way to go. I think, and he wants to transform everyone. He wants everyone to come in and to be like him. But mm. when that happens, when it finally happens, and maybe it's happened, maybe him winning the title and the way he's done it, when he was away and strong and he had no guys helping him, and he was all on his own, everyone, he was a different guy. He was this like baby face almost in America because he was doing it on his own. He was fighting from underneath, he was working his way through. And I, I think the purity of that is something really fascinating. I think the arc that he is on is such a fascinating one at his age, knowing that, you know, Fats is out there, but that he's the guy that everyone still looks at. 
And what's his motivation to beat him? Like, what is his motivation to actually to, to prove that he's the best? Like what drives the guy when he's at that point? And it feels like to me, he needs that. He needs that motivator. You know, he needs something to propel him to get to the point where he is going to try to win this for the sake of winning it. I'm really fascinated by that arc. Abandonment might be the thing that. Yeah. He needs a tragedy. Yeah. Like he, he needs, needs the tragedy. driving tragedy to actually, because Okada and Osprey, for instance, there's a relationship that's in a sim, like it's a traditional relationship that you would look at and say, okay, well, Okada, but Okada's not known for his, like, he's not a mentor. Like that's kind of his thing. No. He's, not, he's meant to be the leader of chaos. He doesn't even know fucking who's in the, the squad. Like he's, He's a singular dude. That's him. So Osprey's like the talented young guy out there who wants, who's all ego, wants to win everything, wants to be the guy, wants to have the main event matches, wants to be the five-star king, right? That's his all ego. And he's been humbled and it still doesn't stop him from doing it. It's like he, as Kenny Omega said, he needs to learn how to play the game. He needs to learn how to start to think about how to do this. And to some extent, Omega sits out there as like this archetype for Osprey as well. This like floating version of what I can be, you know, the, and he's almost like he needs to learn from him in that respect. And the way that people learn in pro wrestling. He was one of the duos that I had written down as like, Oh yeah, Will. And I mean, there's, it's... but that's the interesting interplay, right? That's the, that's the dynamic. Cause that is how it works as these, these pairings. What I find interesting is like, well, we need to know who's, like when New Japan's booking, they need to know who the ace is going to be in 10 years. Mm. Like that's how they have to think. They have to think about, all right, this guy, like when they set about Okada, they set about a complete commitment to him, the same way they have with Jay. And they commit to it. They just do. And so when people said, oh, evil's getting the big push, it's like, no, they're, they're establishing evil as a guy that can be a main eventer, but they're not getting, they're not putting everything behind evil. Like that wasn't, the plan he wasn't the guy he was just a guy that they wanted to elevate same way that shingo got that elevation he's a guy that we want to establish and from now on when anyone wrestles him when elp wrestles shingo elp is getting a rub because he's wrestling a former iwgp world heavyweight champ so yeah. it made sense to help that but it's not there's only a few guys that they put the machine behind right mm. and, they're oh, all yeah. fighting and, for and, and to beat those guys is Zenob's big signature win yeah yeah, yeah for that's sure. why Naro is not beaten evil in that TV title match, no. regardless of him getting most of the offense. Like, evil has he's been still a champ. guy. Yeah, all he needs is one move, and the match is done. You know, he's still a guy. Yeah, and like I like the bigger picture idea of the 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 legacy sequel idea, but there's something in the interplay of we talked about it with mentors and mentee, but this this that's not. I don't look at the color money like that. Because I don't think, and it's, and it's hard of like Paul Newman's. I don't feel like Paul Newman's actually. I don't feel like he's trying to take Tom Cruise under his wing and teach him that stuff as much as I feel. No, like that's a, that's a, that, that's a story about his character yes. more so than about Tom Cruise's character. It is. It's about using him as a gateway to get back into the thing, and that the whole sort of thing turns on when he has that you know that match with the one uh, with Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, and he gets, yeah. He gets played. Yeah, he gets- hustled yeah you get hustled and just that thing of like wow i'm not anywhere like what like my fastball is gone like i have no i'm so out of this loop what what is happening here and when he goes back to the pool halls and the people have changed and some people are there and he's like 
the whole dynamic is different and the whole like yeah then there's that montage of him getting glasses done and training and yeah yeah, yeah. it's so it's so sports tropey but it's so different because it's pool so you don't think of it in that in that respect it's like a rocky montage you know well it is and it, actually i remember watching it as a kid and when he's getting tested for his glasses because it's very scorsese right it's all feeling very gritty it's a pretty mm. gritty film like all his stuff yeah and I remember seeing him getting tested for his glasses and thinking that that was like somehow a bad thing. Like it felt like it was a hard thing for him to go through. It's like getting tested for glasses is like you just sit there and like, oh yeah, that's better. No, that's worse. That's better. It doesn't hurt. No. But but it felt like. But maybe it did hurt for him a little bit in terms of like the pride taking a little hit. That's what I mean. Like it doesn't physically hurt him. But it's but it's filmed in a way that there's like there's a pride there because he sort of plays around with his glasses mm. a little bit afterwards, mm. and he sort of comes out and he doesn't quite seem himself when he's wearing them. So, mm. um, but clearly it makes a difference to his game, right? He gets his game back as a. Well, result. that's the thing about pride and ego taking a hit. Like he doesn't when he's young, he's prideful and he's driven by ego. He wants to be the best because he wants to be the best there is. And then, it, then it transforms to, he wants to be the best because he wants to stick it to the man. Like he, like it's motivated by external factors that are about how he's perceived or how he wants to be perceived or how he wants people to see him versus someone else, which is so a young man's thing. And as he gets older, the wisdom comes in of like, I have to sacrifice the pride part. Like I have to just accept that I have to give up these things. This is like, trust me, there's no doubt that as you get older, these things hit a bit harder. And like, I return to the film and go, okay, okay. I may be, I'm hitting, how close to my Eddie stage am I getting? But like, but this idea of <laughs> like, I look back at 60, I'll be happy. Fuck yes. I look, if, I look like, if I look like Kim now, I'll be taking it. But that idea of you see that, character transformation play out so when he returns to that role he is this he's but what i what i what i like about that character is like he figured out why he needs to play the exuberance of youth right so he feels like yeah i can play all night because that was that first thing with fats was like he played all night but he got drunk and he wasn't disciplined and he didn't have the character to continue in the second the second time they play at the end Fats gets to a point and he's like, that's enough. I can't, I can't beat you. He, mm. he yields, he folds to him. He's like, I, you're too good. I can't beat you. And that's like youth with character. Right. And yeah. then in the second one, he has, he gains, he regains his character but at the very end when he's like, it's like, give me your best game. And he's like, you yeah. can't handle my best game. Like you, you 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 can't do my best game and he's like if i can't do it here i'm gonna do it next month in dallas and if you kick my ass then i'm gonna do it so he regains his exuberance he regains his life the 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 great transformation of that character is he wants to beat the guy to almost prove to the guy that what he taught him isn't the right thing yeah and that is a fascinating character study yeah because he's he was teaching him all kinds of warped fucking lessons yeah yeah Yeah. and and because it's almost like he's saying well i want you to be you could be so much you could be such a better version of what i was you could actually be the best plus you could do what i did and you could make all this money you could do this sort of stuff 
and he takes yeah. it so but, seriously. But in, that, of, but in that process, you need to compromise your your want to win. Yeah. In order to win the money. Yeah. You got to money. One of the it's a classic line is like money won is so much better than money yeah. earned. Yeah. Through age and that sort of stuff, and and then you know the 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 the, the, the his moral shift. He's like, oh, yeah, so it becomes about money. It becomes about the money. But I think he admires in Tom Cruise this fucking drive to just mm. be the best because mm. that's what he used to have. Mm. And then he regains that drive at the end in losing to him and knowing that he got fucking played. He got hustled by the guy he taught to hustle. But I think he, I think I know he says, I want to find beat you next week or whatever, but the key for me is he just wants to beat that guy. He doesn't care who's watching. It's not for ego. I just want to beat you for me. No, 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 no. He's like, he's playing in a fucking empty pool hall at the yeah. end. There's yeah. no one else there. They're all at the tournament. I just want to beat you for me. Even if we look at how character arcs play out and you look at how you go from the the ego-driven young guy to the the old guy that understands the game and to some extent thinks that that's what I should be doing, but knows in my heart of hearts, I want to capture whatever that young, like in New Japan, it's perfect. I started at a young boy with all these ideas of what I could be and what I could do. And then I went off and I got, became this other thing. The exuberance of a young boy is no one touches the exuberance of like, they fucking run out and ah, they're fucking cheering and loving their shit, you know? And I, I look at the character arcs of, of of people and think, well, you know, like that's a huge arc, like a Tanahashi character, for instance, like that's a, you know, like this, who, who is that guy at this, at this stage in his career? Like, who is he? Like, what is he trying to do? Like he has all these ideas that he tries to teach people. Like he's always talking about those things, you know, like, or a Minoru Suzuki, you know, like who's like a guy that did his own thing and try to teach other guys how to do his thing and to varying degrees of success. Um, but I don't look at that poor Newman character. I don't look at that that arc as being something that has to take place over 25 years. I think it's about understanding at the point of which the motivation for why he does what he does changes and seeing that switch in the motivation. And it's like that part is where when we look at like a Naito character, a Naito is a perfect, I feel like Naito is the most rich character in pro wrestling. Like he's just mm. so full of like, you just, if you if like a, like he's like one of those fucking like you just look into him it's like a panopticon you like look into him and it's just like you just there's just things emer- like there's so much shit going on in there like layered onion he is a layered onion he's a kaleidoscope <laughs> of potential and and you can read into him however you like but that idea of i when he started everyone knows the story of when he started he just wants to be the best Mm. he just wants to be the best and he wants to beat the best and he sees the guy and says you're the fucker that i want to be i want to be the star i'm going to be the star i'm going to be the guy for what reason because he looked he was a kid that watched new japan and wanted to be the star in new japan he just thought that was the best thing ever and he failed and got broken and he well he made it like he made it to the top but then he like but he proclaimed himself as your as the fan star yeah. and the star and he was rejected for that yeah which is rather the, than doing it for himself yes wow. which is the incitive yes it's all ego yeah it's ego driven like he thinks it was about himself but he's driven by the ego to want to be what he saw his heroes to be and want to be to for the fans what those guys were for him it's driven mm. by he wants to be something but he doesn't realize that he's ultimately like it's it's an arrogance that he doesn't recognize in himself until he's humbled 
until he's faced with tragedy, right? Yeah, exactly. He's faced with the tragedy of what would essentially be a, a fucking waking death. I mean, getting laughed at. I mean, that's got to be hard. Like, I mean, Tai Chi got the go home Tai Chi. Like, that's pretty bad. But like, each each of those those two characters, Tai Chi's so similar. But like, mm. those guys about facing that tragedy of rejection, ultimately, and having yeah. to like figure out what what they're gonna be. And when Naito returns, it's like he teaches these young boys the way. He teaches them all to hustle. Like they're all come in, you yeah. freaks. And then evil does to Naito what fucking Tom Cruise does to Born Even. He fucking gets him. Hustles. He yeah. hustles him. And he's like, the devastation of that is a devastation of it's a prideful devastation. It's like I taught you the ways of this thing. You did this. It's come back to haunt me. Like it hurts mm. me. I'm happy that you're yourself and doing your thing, I guess. But fuck, what? Like, is that the right way? Maybe it's not the right way. It's not for everyone, is it? Because it leads to like an evil situation. Yeah. Exactly right. Like, and and yeah. and you look at Naito now, and it's like Naito is returning to the IC story like he's returning to that this is an mm. area that's going he did an article this week talking about he hinted at the idea of a vote he hinted at it like the idea of what if i won the u.s belt and had a big match at wrestle kingdom with a big name person i wonder if that would main event you know like mm. this idea of i'm going to take and do to them what they did to me like i'm going to bring about this thing of like i'm in it now i'm back yeah. like and, yeah, yeah, and I'm also in that. In that, like he's like reclaiming that sentiment from one of the guys that he taught it to, because Hiromu said the same thing about doing that with the junior belt. Yep. Yeah, because I mean, well, Hiromu learned that from her. They learned that from Naito because that's yeah, what. Yeah. That's the lesson of that's what you you hustle till you get to that spot. The yeah. destino is that spot. That is what is. That is what's a champion. That is who the biggest star on in New Japan Pro Wrestling is. It's not who the champion is. It's not who. It's who main events Wrestle Kingdom. That is, that's the guy. And he is. And Naito has established that to the point of a main event Wrestle Kingdom spot is seen as like that's the spot. Like that's the biggest stars get that spot. And so we've been people are talking about oh Jay versus Okada is that a main event Wrestle Kingdom spot? Well, because Naito's created this mystique around it that that's what it's supposed yeah. to be. And now he sees Okada and thinks, I can, like, Okada is this sort of star that, like, that the way, um, you know, Tana and Nakamura, like that ace idea. And can I be the one that can usurp those two guys to take that spot? You talk about legacy stuff, stories repeat, but the characters are different. And the, they play the roles, but because of the way the character is, they shift when it works the best is when one of the legacy characters shifts to the to a role doesn't mean mm. that they won't sometimes those characters won't be involved in it it'll just be they, they're repeating a story that they like you know like an idea like an, a trope or an archetype they like uh in the case of tai chi yeah and kawada i mean that's what it's, it's a different it's a different story right than say the color of money in in some respects because yeah. it almost feels like Tai Chi's coming back to Yeah. I know. <laughs> to be a bit like 
it's time for you to get your fucking payback, son. Yeah, this this feels like the the end of the hustler. <laughs> this feels like yeah. it could be like, like um, you're gonna get yours. Get fucking yes. ready for it. Yeah. yeah, I I I am not beating you for anybody else other than you. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. not yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You. I want you to know that I beat the shit out of you. <laughs> I'll feel great about it, but you'll I mean, feel shit. For a fucking long time. Yeah, yeah, I have been thinking about this for 25 years and I cannot <laughs> wait to <laughs> do this. Like it's been 20 years and I just can't wait to beat you. And I, and, but that's that, what we talked about, Dave, is the key to this is the ability to leverage those dynamic relationships and move the people where they are in relation to where they were at some point. So that's why history is so important. And this is what I love. I mean, I love the how much New Japan reveres its history yeah. and, and makes it such uh, a focal point in its storytelling because you then end up with the, the I mean, there, it's just such a long list. Yeah, of all you these go through. that can be told over the next 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Mm. And, like, if you're a new fan and have no clue about All Japan Pro Wrestling in the 90s or whatever, that's fine. But you have heard Kawada's name mentioned countless times when Taichi is involved in a match. Like, they will bring up Kawada. They will, they'll just bring it up. Either it's a Kawada kicks or they'll say Kawada influence here. Like, they'll yeah. always bring up those aspects of him because it's, it's part of who he is. It's his, it's his legacy, right? And so we know he's not Kawada. Like anyone, like you couldn't get like you couldn't get the inverse of Kawada more, but he's got a lot of Kawada isms and he's yeah. got things that he does and, and you like And I think that's 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 part of it, isn't it? It's like that he, the reason Tai Chi is all that he is, mm. you know, all the gimmicks. Yeah. Is because he came from Kawada and that 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 fight against that that serious man that would look down and say come on just put on these weird dacks mate just put on the kick pads or ding put on the funny shoes and let's go and like let's yeah. just roll bud and but he still can't help himself with a dangerous t suplex you know like he takes the dangerous yeah, t yeah. and like it's dangerous t now like i mean the dangerous part of dangerous techers you know like he's there's he doesn't avoid his history there but he's a different character but what's fascinating about him then is he has to become like Kawada to beat Kawada. Like if he goes to wrestle Kawada, he it, he's going to bring some, some viciousness, some some level of like violence that people are not prepared for. It's going to be, it's going to get uncomfortable. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. Good God, God, I hope they do it. But like, oh, I would love it if they oh, do. But the but, but it doesn't have to go long. <laughs> no, I think five minutes. Yeah, a couple of head kicks and let's yeah, get out. Three, four, five minutes. Yeah kick the ever-loving shit out of one another please and yeah. but that but we know what that means for him because it's, again that's the thing it's a movement of a character where it's like well tai chi is like if we look at let's i mean this is <laughs> fucking this is a brilliant like only us would ever bring this parallel but it's probably the most interesting parallel where it's like look at tai chi as a legacy character of kawada Okay, so if we look at Kawada and we look at Tai Chi, we, we don't see clear elements, right? However, Tai Chi is informed by Kawada's influence on him and how he obviously taught him how to do his things and what he was going to do and how he's going to do it. 
And so the way that he teaches is very different to Kawada's, obviously. He's a very mm-hmm. loving man, you know, like a very affectionate man. And it's all about the love and bringing in his boys and teaching his boys. And like Doki gets, you know, but then he wrestles Doki and proceeds to beat the ever-loving shit out of Doki. Doki's <laughs> crying at the end. Everyone's crying. At which point yeah. he's saying, you are great, man. You're awesome. You're so good, Doki. You're, the crowd is behind you because you're so good. You need to see yourself how good you are. And, I, and you've just taken me to the limit and you've proven how good you are. You know, I still, you know. I've got to keep the shit out of you. Yeah. 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 But I, it comes from a place of love. but the idea of that dynamic is still this idea like he still understands the like there's part of him that has to recognize and respect what he got from kawada despite all of (laughs) then fucking tell me new japan doesn't have rich and nuanced characters no and Tai Chi of all people. And original characters that have never been seen. Yeah, there's no yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And this Tai Chi character, there's no one like Tai Chi in pro wrestling. Because it's like if like he's a rebe- he's a rebellious spirit, this guy that like I don't know how he didn't tank his career, honestly. Like he <laughs> did, took a decade off, you know, like, <laughs> like and but he's this misfit and he's this but all of that plays a role. And he's but yet ironically. He still has, he's still at 40 or whatever. He still has time to put on like these moments and matches that can become iconic as this strong style, like King's Road, like blend guy, you know, Mm. and he has the potential. And it's no doubt that when he wrestles guys like Ishii, guys that stand there in front of him, that he has the best matches because it's like, I get someone that I view as, uh, almost a, a unsympathetic force. It's like I bet you he pictures Kawada's face on like Ishii's body, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and just I just have to beat these guys up because these guys aren't what I like. Which makes me think: Does he not resent Minoru Suzuki just a little? Like it's this weird yeah, thing where yeah, he's like exactly. sitting there, like, like that type of character, but he grab he gravitates towards that thing. So it, it makes you. Like I said, man, there's something about... No, it's like it's in some ways it's a father figure, right? Mm. Yeah. He's had it, he had it in Kawada. He gets something similar out of Suzuki, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. But now he's in a position where he can be... Like, it's Tai Chi Gun. It's going to... I don't know how long, but it's not going to be long. It becomes Tai Chi Gun. And yeah. people... Because everyone used to say, oh, it's going to be Saber Gun, because that was the obvious thing. It's like, no, no, no. For people that are in the know, it's like, it's Tai Chi's group. And they all... Because everybody in that group other than Suzuki is like Tai Chi. Yeah. Like they're all like Zach's like um, Zach appears to be like Suzuki because he's grappling roller, but Zach's the most like affectionate man. That's like, he loves this shit. He's fucking yeah. married Tai Chi. If he could. Yeah. Yeah. He's all darling and fucking. Yeah. yeah. He loves, but he's, but again, he's a, you know, he, he fits you with those misfits, but like Despy is the other guy where it's like Despy and, Despi and Jun Kasai, like that idea of like, I want to yeah. learn what you have and I want you. And we saw this play out. We saw the hustler play out with Jun Kasai and Despi. We saw that yeah. where he, he got the lesson of like, I beat the guy, like I beat him. And I was willing to kill myself for that because I, that's the lesson I took from you. And then he gets told, dude, you took the wrong lesson. Like you're not learning the right thing. If you think that's what this means to be a pro wrestler, you are doing it wrong. 
you need to do this. And it's like, I'll, I'll meet you again. And cause I was like, I'll find you again. And I, I want to beat you. And it's yeah. like, but for, for Despi, it's like, I think Drew Kasai knows, holy shit, Despi is going to be near unbeatable now. It's like, holy yeah. fuck. I've like created a monster. But like, to me, that, that transmission, that passing on, that transformational nature of relationship dynamic is really key. And then on a narrative level, like a big picture story level, if you can book it so that you can have a young guy and an old guy, and I don't, I'm not calling for what, see, AEW has done this a bit where they book like a Christian with a jungle boy or something. They want to sort of pass on. They, they like that idea of using the, but they're doing it from a way of almost like getting those guys over. Like putting a star that can help them with their promos and improve them. Yeah. Like yeah. That's kind of their thinking. Whereas it's like New Japan's almost thinking more like, I want to pair guys up or, or put guys in roles where there's going to be a clear legacy link and they're going to be almost treated like they are trying to be that guy. And we're going to have to judge them on their capacity. Like Ren Narita is a perfect example. Like the Shibata comparisons are going to be there, but Ren's not Shibata. Yeah. He's trained by Shibata. He learned from Shibata, but he's not Shibata, but he wants to be Shibata. Yeah. But does it not feel like there's, he's going to get treated like Kent is going to have something to say. Like there's going to be relations that are almost like he's going to get secondhand shibata you know, like, yeah. And at some point, he's got to learn to be his own man. And that's the interesting idea because that's the Shibata story, <laughs> right? Like, how yeah. interesting is that? Shibata has to go away because Shibata doesn't feel like he can be himself in this place. So there's something in that different person, different time, same arc, different way of doing it. And that's, that's the perfect legacy sequel. Color of Money is not The Hustler. It's a very different film. It's a very, a very different arc being played out. But the the character arc in it that has similar beats. You look, you go like, there's similar beats to this in terms of like yeah, the dynamic. Yeah, oh, and yeah. The and they do that really great thing where they, um, you know, there's somewhat sort of repetitions of lines being said and yeah, yeah. But they, but they, but their tone is different because the context yeah. has changed, and that. The key is the, the awareness of that. When films get that right, they understand the context has changed and they're not trying to remake it. Nah, that, I mean, and that's the beauty of a legacy sequel, right? It's not a remake. No. What makes that cool is that you can, they're standalone. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, yeah. necessarily a continuation of the story. Once no. you watch the two of them together, it can be, but they're standalone in that you don't need to. You don't need to see the other to get this one. And it's not ref- yeah. it's not relying on references or nostalgia or your relationship to the previous one yeah. to inform this thing. If For you have it, good. One, yeah, yeah. If you don't, it's okay. And yeah. I think that that capacity is like where the richness comes in and where you can look at a story being played out and say, well, this story that we're seeing between these two is so much like this story we saw, like we talked about it, like Okada and Tanahashi is, is like maybe like the, one of the best sort of the, the most responsible for the height, like the elevation of new Japan to get to where it's gotten to. Yeah. Those two going at it. And that story of the young guy versus the, the ACE, you know, such a simple story. And so they keep going back to that story. Like you can see, I see Osprey and Okada as that story. Like yeah. I see it. Like I just see that as Osprey virtually crying when he lose. Like 
he's got that failure the same way that, and they repeat that story but now okada is in the tana role and osprey comes in as a different person to okada he's a different character he's a different point in time he's a very different character he's gone through a lot of different stuff he's 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 elevated to this this different spot he's got a relationship with okada that that tana and okada didn't have prior you know there's different dynamics the characters are different the beats are similar right they're similar beats but they're not the same story because they're informed by the characters and i think that's the key component like if you get the character right so you look at color money you get the character right and the character's informed by the like fast Eddie, informed by his original character like we understand who that guy was so when you if you, you haven't seen it it's okay but when you see him now there's, there's traits, there's elements, but there's also things that are surprising. But it's 25 years. That's when Top Gun Maverick did it well, was it was like, okay, here's Maverick now. Yeah. And we don't pretend like he hasn't had 25 years of life. We don't pretend yeah. like he hasn't had relationships. We don't pretend like we understand the character is moved based on all these other experiences. He's still, fundamentally, we understand who this person is because we have a relationship to him. But we don't need to know that past just to know that he has a past, you know, like, yeah. So when new people are watching this and they're watching Okada, like there are people that are watching this didn't see Okada Tanahashi. So they know that Okada was once in the Osprey role chasing the guy and he was once considered the best guy. But like we were around when Okada was, we all thought Okada was the best guy, but he wasn't the ace. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, yeah. and at some point, and I don't remember when it happened and I don't remember a big, a big declaration he just no, kind of became, no but he was just, yeah, he just became the ace. Yeah. yeah. It just sort of happened. And he's just the ace. He's the ace. Now, now, now um, <clears throat> I mean, Tanahashi as like, you know, go ace, that's more a gimmick than a, yeah. Than a believed thing. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a more, it's more a respect of this is the guy that will he's be true, like yeah. the ace of the universe. He'll always be the, he'll always, because he, he shunned the brightest. He was the brightest starring the ace that we'd ever seen in the darkest period so his light shone very bright yeah but the but so it's a respect sign of respect but if you look it around and you said okay who's the guy who's the man who's the one that hits all those tropes it's okada but he doesn't have Mm. to declare himself as that what's funny is the young egotistical osprey declares himself as that yeah he's doing the naito thing he's declaring him he's using naito as a way to say i'm the guy i'm the actual star you know the shoot joker or whatever it is like he's using that language he's like that's me they laughed at you they won't laugh at me they'll cheer me because they know that i'm the guy so he's in that beautiful ego role of i'm going to do this which is what okada did the same thing like i'm challenging you after my fucking pedestrian match against yoshihashi i'm going to challenge you for the belt and i'm going to beat you and everyone's like no he's not there's no way that's going to happen he just came back from excursion no chance and he does it and and it doesn't declare him the best at that point. He's still an egotistical young punk that thinks he's better than he is. He doesn't know the ways and learn the thing. So like to see where Okada is now and Okada's seen Jay. I think in Jay, he sees, he sees that guy that's got, he's got everything. I think he respects yeah. the hell out of Jay. I think he does, but I he recognizes Jay. like this guy is a fucking nightmare. He's perverted all of what I did. <laughs> like, He's perverted all of it. He's done all of what I did. He did the same. He did the fucking Tanashi shock. He did the exact same thing in the same fucking building. Like, yeah. He's, but he's, he's done everything I have done. 
but he's done it in a way so much unlike me that I can't endorse. And so he wants to proclaim that this is his era and this is my era. It's a battle for this era. It's a battle for the philosophy to win. And it's, and it's essentially the battle of the guy who has shown the way to do it versus the guy who's taken the lessons and done them the wrong way. And I think we get that fucking we at wrestle kingdom. I know people that might be down it, but we are going to get to see the, that, that match of pool. We're going to actually get to see it. Like, yeah, we're, the, the, we're not we're not stopping on we're not freeze framing this shit. We're going to get to see it because it's the moment where where Okada realizes, "Am I back? You know, yeah. like am I back? Like it, because I've gone. He's been away from this scene in terms of being that he's the ace, but he's been away for so long, and this young punk's come up, gone and got his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yes." Like he's gone away, right? He came back in. Oh, look at him. He came back in shape. Everyone there said, holy shit, look at Okada. Even for a run, the tape's off the back. Yeah. Like all those, remember, he did that thing, Dave. Like when he when he sucked, everyone said Okada was washed. Like mm. they said, they thought he was done. They were like, oh, his back's fucked. He can't do it. I think he was legit just working it. Like he was just playing a back injury because he just played yeah. it for like 18 months. And he just slowly he has built himself in his 50th year to be this Anoki type character, but it's almost like the return of Okada and everyone's like, he's back. And everyone's been saying, Oh, he's always on top. He's always doing this and whatever. But if you've watched during the pandemic, he hasn't been anywhere near the scene. Like that's the point. Like, yo, he won back to back G ones. It's like, yeah, that's kind of the, they're affirming him as this is the guy again. This is the one that's he's ready to go. And Jay keeps telling everyone how he's the guy, you know, because he's done all the things. I've done everything that this guy did. I've learned all the lessons. Mm. I've applied them. I showed why my philosophy is better. You know, like I'm hustling the hustler. I'm doing all that stuff. Why don't people, you know, and says to Okada when he finally beats Okada, you know, doing the Okada, like he does, he catches Okada. His, his move is designed to counter Okada. Like mm. he's literally, I've taken everything you've got and I'm better. Like, what a fucking cunt. Like, just, he'd be annoying as all shit, right? <laughs> and it almost feels like Okada, Okada needs to beat him, right? Because Okada's forum, like, only got the one win against him. And let's be real, that the one win was, like, he got it because Kenny wasn't there. <laughs> so, like, it's yeah. like, he had to beat someone. But, like, he can't beat him. And why can't he beat him? And that's the thing. Like, why can't he beat him? So, like, the celebration is about Okada finally being able to do that. And when he does that, it's like that opportunity of like, we get, what if we came back to color money 25 years later and see where Tom Cruise got to, you know, because yeah, 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 that would be cool because that, but that's the idea, right. Of like, if Okada beats Jay, then what is Jay? Like what Jay will have, have this belief that he's the best, but he won't, it's never being affirmed. Yeah. And he can't, and he hasn't been able to do it on that stage because that's all like, ego. Like beating him, but not, not, not in the main event spot. No, exactly. Not the main event. Main event Wrestle Kingdom is not Jay White's spot. Yeah. Right? The last time he lost the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, he dead suddenly had a mental breakdown. Like he, where everyone thought he was going to turn up the Royal Rumble. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that was, I feel like because COVID got in the way, I feel like there was going to be, that was part of the story, was like mm. the, the crumbling of that, of that whole thing. Like he's going to go. We might, on have, we might have got somewhere different by now. I think we would Jay. have, yeah. I think, yeah. and I think we might be repeating that we might be going back now and saying, okay, 
Jay is going to hit the wall here and he's going to realize that he can't, he can't beat like he's lost to this guy, despite having all of the talent, despite being all this thing, the old ace has returned and has been able to beat him. How is he going to ever be that guy? Does he really want to be the ace? Does he really want to do, or what does he want? And it'll become for him not about beating Okada. It'll become for him about beating Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. In that main event. In that main event spot. The same way it did with Naito. The same way Naito's like, I have to beat you there. I have to beat you there for me, not because I want to prove that I'm better than you, more so than I just want to prove that I was the best. You know, like I'm the like I want to prove what I believed. And for Jay, it might just be I wanna I feel like Jay, I feel like Jay's ultimate arc is he has to learn to win just for he has to want to be the best not for the accolades of being the best, not for being arrogant, not for being this, just for, for the company, for like to meaningfully, like what Tom has kind of done, like to meaningfully move towards, I want to help the world. Like I want to help the company. Like I want, I it's, in, it's best for business. Like he says all these things, everything he says, I think will be what I think is going to be the, this is the, this is the thing to follow for Jay's character. Take note of what this thing, everything he has said the last 18 months or two years, he will say again, and he will be right. And you'll agree with him. So everything he has said for two years that people have disagreed, when he clicks over to the new space, he will say the exact same things. They will be correct. And people will agree. And mm. that's the movement of his character. That's, a, that's all the shift is. is. It's my error. It will be his error. And it will be an error in which everyone's buying his merch and everyone's supporting him. And and he's the number one guy. Yeah. And he's the number one guy. All the things In that he has metric. said, yeah. all the things he has said about himself now, which are bravado and ego driven, others will say about him when he switches. Mm. He won't, he can't be what he is until he gets that switch. And it, and the, I think it's going to be, you know, I don't know what it's going to be, but I feel like it's going to be Osprey and him are fighting Okada to take Okada's spot. And ultimately what ends up happening is they end up being the two guys that end up being next to each other fighting the ultimate move is them to be the two that are paired you know that they become these it's almost like okada's baby is jay and, Os- and omega's baby is osprey and they're just yeah. like these little archetypal characters are like here we are and we're going to fit these roles i will fit who's going to be the next ace you know and that's that's the fun part who's going to be the ace and and no one's okada's not picking you it's like you're not going to get mentored by okada yeah, that's not how this works, and that's what I was saying about the thing. That's the dynamic of the same color money comparison, Dave. It's not about mentor, mentor, mentee, because that's not what that film's really about. No, about relationship dynamics between two individuals that are seeking something from one another, like they're seeking something, and not exactly sure how their dynamic works until each is getting the wrong lesson off the other, and they're not quite right. They don't vibe in that space, and ultimately it ends with one character learning all of these things and one other character learning all these things despite them engaging the exact same lessons. Like, that's really interesting. And I think that there's something to that with this next generation of the 30-year-old Jay and the 29-year-old Osprey coming up in the same school, coming up alongside each other, and they're learning completely different lessons. Right? They're just learning these things from these guys and they've taken them in completely different directions. And they sort of sit these kind of separate characters, sort of sitting... You know, they, they dance around one another, but like people don't think of them as a matchup. 
despite the fact that they're basically the same age, they're basically the heads of units. They're basically, you know, seems odd, right? It never gets brought up. So it makes me think that there's been the, it's been built in the dark. Yeah. Well, they never really go against each other, do they? I think they've wrestled once. They did the anniversary show years and years ago when Jay was champ and Osprey was junior champ. Oh, uh, yeah. And so, like, there's something, I don't know, there's something there and Osprey and Jay talk shit against each other. Yeah, they talk about each other a lot. All the time. But, like, and Omega brought them like, together. Like, Omega, that's the yeah. thing, man. Like, they're these guys that just exist out there. That, they're the legacy characters. Omega's yeah, yeah. a legacy character. Is, and everyone's yeah. like, because remember, let's think about Dave. When Omega left, everyone said Jay's the new Omega. And everyone's like, anyone that's watching knows that that's not what he is. He's not, yeah. he's not a Kenny Omega at all, but he got put in the role. And even Kenny said, oh, they're trying to fill my shoes with Jay White. You know, yeah. like, but he was like, shoot, not happy about it, you know? But now we look back, so Jay's resents Omega. Uh, Osprey resents Omega. <laughs> it's like, it's just interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. How pro wrestling uniquely builds stories through character, not in terms of their, like, necessarily their pairing but in terms of how their archetypal characters reflect one another like almost like planets so they can exist in this universe and have impacts on one another without ever actually really being paired but when they do get paired all of those things those interactions all sort of like collide and you're like holy Mm. shit this part links to this part links to this part and that's why tai chi's like this and so when tai chi wrestles sonata it's like yeah. two abandoned children fighting. Like it's like, you know, like it's these interesting things. So now that they, when they fist bump, when they hit the fist bump, it's not a fist bump of respect, but it's also of like mutual admiration, shared respect, understanding of shared, shared like, trauma. Shared trauma. Like yeah. It's a trauma bump, you know, like, yeah. and, and that enriches your experience of the thing, but also creates this thinking your head like, Oh, I wonder what those guys would be like together. Oh, I could do this. or could that like, yeah, that's not the story they're telling. That was they were just doing the opening match in a TV title tournament, right? But all of their history, all of their legacy collides in that moment. Yeah. And you don't have to know it because you watch it and everyone that was watching goes, that was a great match. Like people just enjoyed the match. But the match has that heightened stakes. You can tell the boys know it's important because they bring their legacies to it. So that informs exactly. their way yeah. that they want to do it, right? And so they are, they're hyped about it. Yeah. yeah, they're hyped. They put in an effort because they know what it means. You you could be watching, have no clue who Kawada or Muto is and think these guys are working fast and furious. Like, holy shit. And then mm. the story, and then Chris Charlton's rattling off fucking stats from 42 years ago. And like, they're just bringing all this sort of shit to try to bring you up to speed in the history of this. And he's like explaining the fucking family trees. But like, because it's important to inform so when that fist bump happens, he's caught you up to speed. So everyone goes, oh, cool. That's cool. And then everyone feels smart because they feel like, oh, I've learned something. I feel more connected to this. You know, like mm. I, I want to go watch The Hustler. You know, that's the idea. Like I want to go and watch the thing that informed <laughs> the thing, you know? Yeah. And that's what it can, to me, that's what the form is. It's this way of of being able to connect people at the base level at like at, at heaps of different levels we're all experiencing the same piece of uh like art at different levels all together that's a cool thing like that's something that is very not unique but it's it's something that i think people should really treasure with 
pro wrestling's capacity. Like it's something that people can from all different ages, all different walks of life, all different backgrounds can connect on different elements. I just think that's really cool. And we've lost it in contemporary storytelling because we want to make things as universal. Ironically, we want to make things as universal as possible. So we universalize our stories. We try to make them uniform and, and palatable. And what we end up doing is we say, you can engage with this material, but you have to engage the same way. And yeah. so what it ultimately does, it doesn't allow for the diversity of engagement or interpretation or, or acceptance or in, it's it's a slow movement towards uniformity versus diversity in the hope, ironically, of being more open. It's kind of like mm. this weird backwards logic that people are going in storytelling. So when New Japan can put on these two dudes that are peck popping and push it up, you know, and we're a couple of dudes from fucking Australia watching these Japanese lads get into the peck pops and, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's Japanese commentary. It's just nothing like we're just watching these things. Yeah, I love it. But we know what's happening, right? Because there yeah. was no English, there was no English commentary for that match. So we were just watching in Japanese commentary. So people that don't know the backstory are probably going, "What the fuck's going on here? We're just fucking <laughs> doing these. We're doing these cheers, go like this is great." It opens up for diversity of of interpretation, of acceptance, of of engagement, as we go through the dynamic of character. Because that's we're just trying to uncover what it is about the New Japan structure that seems so different to contemporary storytelling across mainstream whether it's film tv or even even western uh, pro wrestling like what is it that is so distinct that has a seeking meaning seeking like looking for stuff we go looking for things because yeah. they don't they don't necessarily show they don't they don't come with bells and whistles they don't present themselves to us it's no it's fine. not it's not in your face you kind of yeah you kind of got to look at the details really yeah. make links that may, i mean fuck let's be honest sometimes those links may not necessarily be intended to be there but i kind of like making them anyway because it broadens my understanding of what i'm looking at well the surface level dave the surface level is okay i look at these pairings that's a surface interpretation that's fine you go oh these guys yeah. are paired up like it's a pretty clear like mox and shooter that's a pairing like they've established that pairing but what's the dynamic at play here? Look at Shooter. You look at how he's dressed. He's dressed like Tana. Mm. He came up learning under Tana in the in the dojo. He came up in that system. He was he was a Tana like supporter. Like that was his thing. So was Jay. Ironically, mm. Jay was also a big Tana boy, slapping the mats when Tana was wrestling. But so like those young boys idolized Tanahashi. So he's got Mox as one dad, Tana is another. There's some very odd, very odd dynamics. Ironically, Mox proclaims himself the ace. Yeah. So he's got two aces for dads, right? So who does he want to be? Who's like, what lessons does he take? Where does he go? And maybe we've always thought he was destined. Maybe he rebels against his dads. Yes. We always yeah. felt that he was the ace boy. Right, remember Shota when he was coming through the Young Lions Cup? He was the ace boy. He was the future. Everyone, he was the proclaimed guy, the next mm. guy. And as a consequence, he got paired up with two I've been mega stars. Like who? Which young boy gets mocks? You know, like in comes the fucking yeah. superstar. You're with him. You're going to carry the belt around for him. You're going to be his boy. That's a very big position to put this young boy in because they knew that he was going to be a star. 
So whenever he comes back, the archetype is there for him the, to get to the star maker. Does, no, does it not feel like, I know it's crazy. I know it's insane. But does it not feel like New Year's Dash, he's the type of guy that could turn up and like be shot to the moon? Like he's the type of character that could get the big push because he's built, he's got all the stuff. He's been wrestling Osprey, he's been wrestling Jay, he's been wrestling these guys under Mox's tuition, right? Like mm. go off and do these things. And they're both right because of Mox. They're both connected. He's doing Mox's bidding and not being able to win yet, but he's fucking improving. So the archetype is there for him to be the ace, but he can't, he's going to be so different to Tana despite the archetypal move because he has a relationship with Mox. Yeah. That makes him this very different character. So who knows? Who knows how he goes about it? But once he starts, now we start to, the way we try to understand future projections of a character is to try to see the influences on that character and see how those people moved. Like that's the best way to make a prediction. You look at yeah. the character. Who did they learn under? Who were they connected to? What did that character do? Where did that character go? Okay. What was their relationship? Yeah. Because if that character, if 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 he's like this, then he'll probably want to be, he'll probably get a similar, he'll probably take a similar arc. He'll do it differently, but that's his trajectory. Yeah. So when you're looking for characters, when you're looking for young characters or young new characters coming through, look at their trajectory based on who they're paired up with who their influences are and try to figure out how that's going to inform where they're moving because that's what's going to happen. If we're doing legacy sequels, then that new character is getting the position of that old character from back in the day. So you're mm. always looking to see, well, where was that person slotted in? You know, so and that's intriguing about like Oiwa as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Oiwa was, I mean, Oiwa is the next ace boy. Everyone Hold talks about ace boy. Yeah. Well, Jay wants to get a hold of him early. Get yeah. his fucking fucking nails into him like yeah get into him and like try to stop him from being like those guys yeah and set him on a path to be more like him you know like you can be my legacy boy you know so we're looking mm. for legacy boys now that's what essentially what it is when we go looking yeah. now dave we're saying who's like when fucking zach robs vegeta and said put my jacket on boy like yeah like and vegeta's now pairing up and he's wrestling suzuki gun guys it's no surprise he wrestled doki he's paired up against Suzuki Gun boys because yes. those boys want to put him on a trajectory to be like them. That's kind of how it works. And you identify it early. That's to me the, and maybe Dave, this is a long way to get around to eventually get some outcome, but maybe the transcendent star, the truly transcendent star is the color of money fast Eddie. And what I mean by that is, the star that was on the trajectory to one thing got to the position of that character and then cycled all the way back to where they were at the very beginning, mm. being informed by who they are now. Because that's when you hit Naito status. Yeah. Because you start off as one thing, you go to a new thing, you then mentor someone to bring them up to be to your thing only to then go back to where you used to be to proclaim yourself the new thing. It's the way to cycle yourself back, right? Yeah, yeah. And Naito is now cycling himself all the way back to, and ironically, he's in a, he's in a feud right now of a guy who is hearkening back to that very statement that Naito made all those years ago. 
yeah. and challenging him to bring that guy back out, trying to trying to say to that guy, you failed, you sucked, and putting Naito back to that spot. And Naito is now at a position where it's like, I've done all that I have needed to do. I've achieved everything that I said I would do. How do I go to the next level? I return to the to that character archetype, which means in a lot of ways, he's ready for a new boy to come along. And guess what happens? Titan turns up. <laughs> so Titan is the new Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, right? And we cycle again. Yeah. And the cycle continues. And that's how you keep building new stars. You know, because Hiromu's now moved to a position where Hiromu could play a role for T. Like that's how it cycles through. Yeah, yeah. It's legacy. It's legacy in constant motion. We're talking about it at the very beginning of this, Dave. Like, oh, New Japan's off for a couple of weeks. It's off for a way. The characters don't go into hermetically sealed boxes. Like they don't <laughs> like go away from their screens and they cease to be developing. They're having yeah. their own character lives outside of this space that people are imagining or that are existing. And they all have to do is put a tweet out or something like that. And we get, oh, there's some level of movement. Or they give an interview or they do a thing for a newspaper. They're, something's happening. So when they return, you know, you keep getting these things. Like that's why excursions are important. You don't have to see the excursion just to know they went on one. You don't have yeah. to watch some guy in CMLL for three years. Just know that he's there. Because you know that he's off developing something. So when he returns, he's like the old guy, but he's something brand new. The fans still see him as the original Maverick. They see those flourishes, but they know the world has changed. He's changed. And so they accept the new elements of him and they try to figure out how much of the old guy is still there. So when yeah. Jay comes back as his cunt and he's just this dastardly cunt, Osaka still remembers him as the boy that spoke in language to them to thank them. They still yeah. remember that kid and they wonder, is that kid in there? Yeah. He's still in there. And they look for the flourishes when it might stand out when he cuts that promo and he starts crying at the end of the thing. Or he, he, they look for that because they know that the, the world has changed and this boy has gone away and has been broken by the thing and he's you know disappointed in Tanahashi and all these things and he has all these ideas. But he's still fundamentally, they still believe him to be that guy. So it's like, Will he return to that guy? And that's kind of the legacy element, isn't it? Will they return to that guy? And when they do, what will the world look like? And what will the place look like? And I think that's when it's done well. When it's done poorly, they just they bring out a replica. And they say, you're going to be that version and you're going to be that thing. And I don't think New Japan does that. I don't, they, they're not working in the business of Osprey being the new Omega. That's not what they do. Mm. And I think people can look at it and think that because they think, they look, they go, Oh, poor Newman's just playing fast Eddie again. It's like, yeah, 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 he is, but he ain't the same guy. Yeah. You know, and that's, and Tom Cruise aren't, isn't fast Eddie. Like, to, like, that's not the character yeah. he's playing, you know, like, that's the key part of this. Like, fucking Rooster is not Goose, you know, he's playing the archetypal role in that space, but he is not him because the thing is different. But the, he's, he's playing the, the pieces are the, the people, like the players and the pieces and the archetypes are similar, but the characters are the things that separate the, the story. And where legacy sequels go wrong is they try to make new characters and new contexts be the same as the old ones. Yeah. And it never works. So, yes, I'm looking forward, Dave. Now, I'll be watching from the... You've ruined it now because I'll be looking at these guys and being like, ooh, I wonder if this guy's... wonder what, what spot this guy's going to get. Like, who's... Who's 
but where's he going to be pegged to fit? You know, like these young boys, when they come yeah, back, yeah. when Yuya comes back, it's going to be like, oh, who's he going to be? Where's that going to happen? Going to make this Narita Ishii match even more interesting now because I'm going to be watching Narita like a fucking hawk. I'll be like, yeah, he's I, but I like that. I like that, that uh, like some of the things that we learn and we talk about makes me watch guys a bit closer. And yeah, that's and that's what I'm hopeful. Like, you know, I don't know what this podcast is, but <laughs> like, <laughs> we ever I don't know, but I do feel like we we can be at our best when we just look for things that help us understand what we're seeing. And we find film to be a really good framing device for that because there's archetypes that play out in a short term. You can see, you can see a whole story arc play out an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. In new Japan, that takes 24 months, you know, like it takes a long time for that arc to play out. So you're looking for little beats that could be similar that you go, Oh, that could be influenced. That could be something interesting. So you're always looking for those things. So we find film as a really good framing device to help create those conversations. And what you've proven, Dave, is it's at the in, the micro level in terms of the characters in a particular film, but also at the macro level in terms of what that film is fitting in the broader landscape. You know, so you can mm. talk about the characters and their relationships. Or you could talk about the 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 construction of having legacy film, legacy characters being a key driving. Thing. you've got two aspects that come from the one thing the two levels and that's when it's the best that's when it makes sense i'm really glad glad that i brought this up and then you just expanded on it. i thought this might happen and i'm well you i mean it's like catnip you came in and said i'm going to talk about color of money and about <laughs> legacy sequels i'm like well okay then uh, strap yourself in because I. How long have you got? Because I don't know, man. It's just like that's a cool idea. It's a great observation. That I don't know whether it's if it's founded or not. The only way we're going yeah. to figure it out is just by talking around it and seeing, trying it on like a pair of pants. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, does this fit? How does my ass look in these jeans? Like, like trying to figure out does it does it make sense? And and like I, some characters maybe I'll cut a bit out. Like I'm not sure that made sense. But for certain well, characters, yeah. oh, it look, does. I mean, there's, <clears throat> it was a, a lot of it come off the back of like watching that um, Tai Chi Kawada yeah. interaction. Yeah, I think Dr. Jonathan, Dr. Jonathan got excited about that too. You know, Dr. Jonathan, Dave, has written multiple books about all Japan. Oh, really? So he's very excited about it. So I feel, I actually feel like, like, I got to, I'm like, am I hitting the, so Dr. Jonathan, please correct us if we've got anything wrong about the Kawadaisms. Please, right in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was looking at that and I'm like, that stuck with me. I'm like, that's intriguing. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm all for that. Why do I like that? Like, what is it about? What is about that dynamic? Yeah, you're right. What is it about that dynamic that I like? And it, and it is that knowing, I feel like it's, the knowing that Tai Chi had a mentor and maybe maybe he wasn't treated right mm. and that that mentor relationship for a period kind of broke him mm. later on. And since then, he kind of found his own way and his own way of mentoring others in a more compassionate way that seems to be helping those guys and then that interaction made me think like, I'm like, 
oh, the, this is like he wants like a justification here. Like what? So I was in, yeah. so for a few weeks I'd be interested in this mentor mentee sort of like this yeah. that dynamic, and then watching the color of money, and then kind of going down that little rabbit hole. It all kind of, it all kind of like, ah, oh, that's that all kind of like linked to me together. Yeah, because I'm thinking the same thing. Because I'm, I was like, I even put a tweet out saying, if you want to listen to a podcast about two grown men get excited about another grown man kicking the shit out of an old man, that was like, <laughs> that's like the description <laughs> of the thing. Because it was like, because <laughs> we were we were giddy about that. Once that got brought up, we just got giddy about it because it was like, I was like, why is that? Like. We, like are we going to do some like are we going to have to sit down on the couch and figure out exactly why we're so invested in this sort of like this retribution element but it, yeah. but it was more it was more what like and as soon as you bring out color money and now i start thinking about it i think it's not a dynamic where tai chi is fast steady but kawada's the pool table <laughs> like <laughs> like he's not He's the he's the thing that through which Tai Chi can demonstrate that he's that he's come full circle. Mm. Like because when Fast Eddie says I'm back, he's not back. Like that's not the old Eddie. He's back doing what he's doing. He's, he thinks he's back to the old person because he's like I've got it back. I'm back. Mm. I'm thinking I'm back. Like I'm back. Like fucking John Wick. Like I'm back. But you're 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 new going back. So you're a completely different animal, right? Mm. And so when he when he confronts Kawada and he sees him right in front of him, telling him to get the fuck up, which is just great. Stand up when you're looking at me. Like, yeah, just, and I'm giving you time. Like, think of that mentality of like, it's so, I mean, we're going back to the hustler kind of thing. Like, I am giving you time. I'm letting you know, you, me, here, then let's go. And I like I like that element too that that adds to it. It's like I don't want you. I want you at your best. No excuses. You're you're no, good enough yeah. to go. You, I've given you time. Let's get you in shape because I need to. Like Tai Chi needs the catharsis of going out and screaming outside the outside the doors. He needs that. He needs that thing of being able to say, "I fucking did it." And you know what? I did it my way. I did. Mm. I listened to you. And it fucking destroyed me. And I went away and I, and I built like, I built this thing for myself and I, and, but in deep in his heart, I think he thinks, did I create all of this because of Kawada? Like, Mm. do, Mm. am I like, is he part of the reason I did this? And I mean, fast Eddie's probably thinking the same kind of thing. You would have to think that. Yes. Exactly, which is the same thing as all the shit that happened to Fast Eddie. Yeah, yeah. I think that his experience with Kawada had, like, ruined the thing that he loved. Yeah. And so he tried to fucking kill it for himself. He went off and sold booze for a couple of years. Like, he literally has done that equivalent. Like, was willing to be ridiculed for it. Yep. Yeah. And... And somehow, like he tortured himself to a yeah. point where, and then, and then somewhere along the line, decided that he wasn't going to do that anymore. 
and it was almost like somewhere along the line was when he slowly moved into the mentor role. Mm. When he slowly, when Despy came along and like he slowly can have like have oh a, yeah a deep dive on Taiji gun fucking deep yeah. dive yeah and and look at what type like that that period of Tai Chi and then Despy coming in and then but like Tai Chi and getting the shit out of a Taka and like and then the role move like that a whole I think idea of him transitioning and getting sort of blooded in <laughs> like and yeah and then to see Despy go along a very similar torturous existence like that that whole kind of thing despy didn't have to punish himself the same way but despy had that like failed start and that kind of thing and then but he had tai chi and that's the difference he had tai chi who could empathize with him and could help him and could say like don't like don't worry fuck all these people like he could he could build this whole thing for despy that tai chi didn't have tai chi had to sort of figure it out on his own and we get to see now as tai chi comes back it's like who's to me, it's like Tai Chi beating Kawada is the thing that sets about like the that's the starting point of fucking main event Tai Chi. Like that's the thing yeah. where he can be because oh, fuck, I hope so. <laughs> but it, it but it's but it at 40 odd, like it's time. It's time to push yeah. him, give him a run at the top and see how he goes. He doesn't have to like he'll be he he has that potential because mm. his character is so rich and people are so invested in his journey. They will want to see him. Like he may never win the belt. He doesn't. He will be the most sympathetic babyface going for it, because yeah. it will just be this thing. Like when Taichi got in the G one and he's sitting there that first time, and they did the announcements. That first time they did the announcements, he's at the commentary desk, and the crowd is screaming Taichi. He's trying not to cry. You yeah. know, like it's he was he was he is the people's champion. Like he's this organically yeah. grown guy that they have just said you are the one. It makes no sense. You come and you meet. You see Taichi the presentation you just look at it and go like what what is this <laughs> yeah. but when you contextualize that character it's like yeah. saying you know he's not he's not fast eddie the hustler he's not the young boy under kawada he's not trying to do this thing like he's not doing the funny hair and doing that stuff like he's not trying to be this thing anymore he's been broken he's had he he's had all the shit go wrong he's had everything and he said fuck all this shit i'm out of here and he's come back and he's brought all his new gear you know and he's just waiting. And I think he gets genuine love and affection out of finding someone. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's not about the mentor. It's not about mentoring Doki. It's not about mentoring Despy. It's about helping him reconnect with what he loves. Like, mm. and the only way he's going to do that is through positive relationships that he didn't actually have in the previous life. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing. That's the thing that's got him back to where he needs to be. And now he returns. And the only way he's going to show that is if he brings out fucking dangerous tea and he just destroys. I wanted to beat Kawada in three minutes and 20 seconds and just. Oh, me too. I want him to just. Start yeah. kicking him in the head when he's on the ground. Yeah. And, and then, like, just utterly, I'd love to see him just utterly destroy him, right? And then help him up. Yeah. Help him to his feet. Show him love. Show him love uh, and and guide him out of oh, the ring, like help him out of the ring. Fucking hell, I'll be crying if that happens. I'll be oh, how good would that be? But it was so be that's that's the arc, right? That's the story yeah. of like I did it your way, I showed you, I humbled you your way. 
not because I not because I had of ego because I wanted to be that thing. I wanted you yeah. to feel that the the failure that that brings upon a man and the embarrassment it brings upon a man and how much better it feels when you get lifted up rather than pushed down. Yeah, yeah. Like perfect. A perfect story arc. We cap it off. I go off and say, yep, yeah, the main event can happen. It's fine. But <laughs> yeah. like, next year, cool. Taichi, main event, get Russell Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, <laughs> even if Taichi never gets another moment, yeah, he, oh, had, would be a moment. he had the, the moment where he was, for that five minutes, he was the biggest star on the planet. And the reason it resonates is because it's so connected to these long, it's the legacy story. The yeah. legacy sequel is here. He's the new Kawada. Get used to it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like he's the new doctor, people. Yeah, he's not like the old one. Get fucking used to it. New days, yeah. different time, right? I want to see the internet deal with that. <laughs> That's yeah. what I want to see. Tai <laughs> Chi's the new Kawada. Not people. really fully understand it. Not, not get what they're saying because it's not about, it's the remix, Right? Like that's the thing. It's not, it's a legacy inspired version of the thing. And you can't tell me. Kawada had like, I don't know how many, he didn't have many young, he only had like one apprentice. Like Taichi's did. Like he's the mm. for better or worse, he's the guy. Like, and it's it's the remix. Like fucking Ricky Choshu wasn't fucking Anoki. Like they're not the same people. That's not the point. But there's this connection to these, like that's that legacy and that ongoing story. And when it aligns like that potential aligns where you can bring the thing full circle to start it again. That's when it hits at its best. And when new Japan was in its peak, they were hitting the points at which those circles were coming to a close. Yeah. And so if they reached these amazing heights and if you're watching new Japan right now, the circles are starting. That's what's happening. The legacy yeah, circles are starting. So we're in for a good couple of years. It might take right. a while, but good God, when you'll be able to say, I was there when this started. I was there to see the rise of this. I was there when that part clicked. And you'll be able to have these weird stories about the time you saw this or whatever. It's That's the fun of it. And you'll be crazy like us looking back. I remember this thing. You know, this is the fucking thing. You're like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dave. You've outdone yourself. I know your excitement was warranted. <laughs> was it? I'm glad it was. Oh, it was because even if this show doesn't work, <laughs> even if tonight's show doesn't work, we have discovered something. I honestly believe that's it. That to me, I get excited about the prospect of that. Are there my um, film recommendations for the week too? The Color of Money and The Hustler. <laughs> yeah, we we'll get. I I honestly think Dave has anyone has there ever been a podcast where it's like like it's like watch party like it's like a podcast where you're like double it's feature like i saw a thing it is like i watched the thing and i, I want to talk thing. about a thing but what i yeah. mean dave like here's a here's a podcast idea for free double feature like a character wrestling match and a movie like we literally just would if you did kawada and tai chi the story of that and color of money the story of that and you said so if you're interested, if you watch, you watch, um, watch Sonata and uh, Tai Chi, and then watch Color of Money. This whole thing started because I saw and I, uh, I said, um, Tranquilo Club that was doing those videos. I, I said he was, I think he was trying to move the discourse in a positive direction in terms of trying to think about storytelling as being a key aspect of pro wrestling. Mm. 
I'm not going to be one of these people that's like saying, well, storytelling is more important than the actual matches. I think that there's a symbiosis here. <laughs> like fucking, it's, yeah. the, it's oh, a canvas yeah. on which they paint the thing. Um, yeah. And that there's two things happening at once. Key point there, story in the match, story outside the match, those things happening when they align perfect. But if people are only watching wrestling and they only understand how stories can be told through wrestling, they're missing out on the potential for, I think they actually miss out on stories that are happening in front of their very eyes because mm. they don't have the influence that some of these guys, like when you hear, you ever hear like Scott Hall talk about character stuff, he was always referencing film. Yeah. Like that's just how it influenced his thinking around character. And like I saw this. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea for the Black Crow Sting came Which from... is still making money off of. Yeah. Right. And the whole archetype, the story of that guy of the in the right, like that whole thing is I saw the crow and I reckon it would work. And when we saw mm. guys like Finn Balor, like uh, Prince Devitt, when he's starting and stuff, like he's showing his influences, he's wearing them. Like, yeah, yeah. And Quite there's no doubt. Yeah. And Kenny Omega took video games as his yeah. influence, right? And took the lore and the storytelling from that and those conventions and try to translate into pro wrestling with varying degrees of success in terms of some yeah. things worked, some things didn't. Cody kind of tried to do some shit too, didn't he? Like Zelda yeah. and fucking, yeah. yeah. In, but influenced by those stories that they see yeah. out, out in pop culture elsewhere that are being successful in different mediums and try to bring them across. I don't know why people can't see or, or won't be open to the discussion of like, we saw this, we watched this movie or we watched this match and we thought about this thing. What would be a good movie to go with this match to marry up bigger picture stories to help understand the bigger picture stories like what's this dynamic between the legacy sequel between tai chi and, and yeah. kawada what is this thing that's happening with simultaneously happening with mudo and and sonata this weird interplay where they have these relationships with their past and this interesting dynamic like and then think what could be a movie that could go off that you just sit around and say like i don't know if we'd ever come to the color of money off the back of it but we may have and then we may have said well, it's not really the dynamic of the, the mentor, but it's not about the mentor thing. It's about the person moving from where they were when they last met the person to where we meet them again. And they're so mm. different, but that pool table hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah. The pool yeah. table has stayed the same. And now he meets the pool table for a different man and he comes back. To me, I almost feel like, I don't know. I don't know. We've got, a, we've got an audience that expects a certain thing, but there's part of me like, <laughs> part of me is like you know we could do like one show and then we could do like like this whatever we just did today the double yeah. feature dave maybe yeah, you and yeah. i you and i we're not the tripod we're the double feature and that could be like the thing we do when it's just you and i we could do the double feature where we marry a marry a movie with a match or a thing that's happening in the story that's out there in the moment yeah because we do it automatically we do. So, like, yeah, like I said, watch Sorcerer and then watch Naito's arc right now where it's about fate. Yeah. And, I mean, I almost, uh, like, I did try go looking for it. Yeah. Like, I tried, I went looking. Like, I went looking at film for that purpose. I've done that too, man. I went looking. Yeah. I've done that in the last couple of weeks where I'm just like, I'm interested in certain types of character types that I'm looking to try to see if that character type exists. I'm looking for the influence. I'm looking for... Yeah. I, no. 
yeah so i'm like and uh the films that i went looking at for it i didn't it didn't it was kind of like some links were there didn't but i wasn't expecting it to come from the color of money and it did yeah and sometimes Um, like i I mean i'll watch old stuff just for the sake of watching it i might be watching something and go oh i've seen something this last week or this last couple of weeks it's just like that you know i mean i'll be watching it and just say oh that reminds me of this thing and i'll make a note of it and i'll go oh okay i'll think of that about that um and as i said like I could, I'm watching, I, I said, I watched Halloween and did a thing about it. And I was like, oh, vulnerability. Like if, just the concept of that cool theme. I wonder what that would fit with vulnerability versus the, the, the fucking ever, the, the, mm. the fucking death, you know, like the, the ever present feeling of existential dread, like, but like looking at different themes and then trying to connect them up, I think, and as a double feature, that could be a fucking, that'd be a cool concept. The, the new Japan character podcast where we pair up a character story thing that's happening in the current day with a, a movie you can check out when you're taking a break from pro wrestling.